Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at GetDivi.com. We're going to talk some BYU football with Tanner Mangum coming up here momentarily. You know, earlier I said uh, that um, what is BYU, what, what's the significance of the, the games this season? At this point, uh, I guess you have to measure the program, right? Isn't that the main point of what's going to happen from here until there? Yeah, especially because Kalani Satake's future is probably yeah. part of that evaluation. But that's as fascinating, that's as compelling as anything else I can think of. Because if they're if they qualify for the bowl game, then they're they're going to Hawaii, right? I mean, that's pretty much it. And let me guess, you're going to cover that bowl no, game? No, I don't think so. Hmm. Hmm. I would if I were in your shoes. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint is the network built for Unlimited with great deals on great devices every single day. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum on the big show. What's up, Tanner? How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, guys. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing all right. Tanner, nobody wants to go to Hawaii like right before. Isn't that game? Isn't that bowl game supposedly on Christmas Eve or something? Is it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Maybe even. I, that, I, I, I yeah. go to Hawaii any day. I know. Oh yeah. I that's that's, that's, that's the world we live in. It's uh, it's. It's uh, TV deals and money and uh, sponsorships, and we just have to deal with it. But I mean, it can't. There, there can be worse places. You know, Hawaii is not too bad. Now, do the players get to take family members uh, on a bowl game like that, or is that prohibited? Yes, they do. They do. That's that's that. You know, especially at BYU with all the married players, uh, that that's always one of the. Uh, I, I think highlights for the families, at least, is being able to to spend that week out uh, together. You know, because all the other road trips that you take during the season are really quick. You know, you fly out the day before, maybe two days before if it's an East Coast game. But for the bowl game, you get a whole week. You know, uh, five days, and so at, at least you know that there's some consolation that you, that you get you get to have your family out there with you. Gordon and I were talking about what interests us about the rest of the of the BYU season or what's intriguing about it, whether it's the measuring stick as a program. But I want to ask you from a player standpoint, is it sometimes difficult to motivate yourself for some of these games in independence when there's not a conference race kind of to get you up for it? No. That's a good question, though, because uh, the, you know people have asked me before when I think about the conference uh, outlook and the conference situation, and, and I am of the belief that a conference does give you more to play for. Uh, just you know, you, you look at uh, you look at teams who who are in a conference, and, and even if you lose a game in, in the in the first couple weeks, you still have your conference play that, that that's coming right up, and in, in a way, it's almost like uh, you know the season starts over. And in a way, it's, it's you get to compete for a championship within the season, and and and, and so 
it, it is a bummer when, when you're in, in, independent and you don't have that to play for. But as far as getting motivated, I think you're still motivated no matter what. You know, if you're a competitor, you, you want to compete every single week and you want to win no matter what and you want to, uh, you know, give it your absolute all. But when you, uh, when you consider the impact of a season, you know, having a conference championship to play for just makes it even more fun and gives you even more uh, opportunities to compete. Tanner, uh, obviously the bye week is helping Jaron Hall, but uh, what's going through his mind right now, and what is the challenge that he's facing? Well, he's facing a lot, and I think uh, one of the hardest positions in sports is playing quarterback, but I think uh, one of the most uniquely difficult situations and positions in sports is, is the BYU quarterback. There's a uh, ton of pressure and expectations that, uh, that that fall on your shoulders and then I think in particular this season is is even harder to, to take on that role because of the uh, I guess the disappointments that have come already uh, I think there's a lot riding uh, on these next upcoming games as far as uh, you know the outlook of the team as you know with, with uh, coaching decisions that uh, you know, as far as you know, the athletic administration. You know, what are they going to do? Um, you know, if if the season doesn't go well, there's a lot that could happen. I think there's a lot writing on these on these uh, on how this season finishes out. But that being said, Jaron doesn't need to think about that. <laughs> you know, he, that doesn't need to be on his mind. Uh, for him, he just needs to focus on what he can control. Because obviously all that other stuff, all the speculation and all the, uh, the, uh, the analysis and the opinions that we're, that we're providing on the radio shows, that doesn't matter anything to him. And so he's just got to worry about, you know, mastering the game plan, understanding what, what they're going to do on offense, mastering USS defense, looking at what, what weaknesses he can exploit. And, uh, and, and, I, and I know Jaron, and he's a, he's a calm, competitive type, and I, I, I think he's going to be handling the situation just fine. I think he's going to be able to take the pressure and channel it into uh, him just going out and playing ball. So the, elaborate on that a little bit, Tanner, because you're, you're right. Playing quarterback at BYU is something different. You're you're in the spotlight, and there's a lot of voices out there, social media, on the radio, like you mentioned, uh, you know, obnoxious columnists in the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, it, <laughs> you know, he probably does need to push it all out and, and focus, but that's got to be really difficult. It can be if you let it. But I mean, this is true across the country. I mean, no matter what school you're at, it's not just BYU. It's, it's you know every school. There's criticism. No matter what program you're in, there's pressure. There's expectations. There's there's history. There's historical tradition, and um, and and if you let it get to you, it it will. But you have to have the mental fortitude to tune all that out. That's that's why a lot of uh, you know that last few couple of years I was off Twitter. I didn't go on Twitter during during the season. I I, I narrowly I, I uh, cut down a lot of my Instagram time and never looked at comment sections. Never looked at anything that could distract me from my purpose. And and and, and so I think most players tend to do that. I think if you have your wits about you and you understand what matters and what doesn't you can tune out the noise and focus on what really matters and um you know but i think it, it, it like i said it, it takes a mental fortitude but i think jaron has that and so i'm not gonna expect him to be 
worried about those expectations and worried about the pressure and worried about you know what what will happen or what might happen. You know, he just got to go out and play play his game and just do it one play at a time. And it's, 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 it's such a cliche. You know, political answer, but it's the truth for 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 you know any any player in any game. You really have to just look at it one play at a time because if not, you could drive yourself crazy with anxiety and worry. So Tanner, you were talking earlier about uh, planning, and uh, you know I, I assume that includes watching film and knowing what can be exploited on South Florida's defense. Do you know that going into a game? I'm two weeks here. I mean, does does Jaron Hall know the names of the, the cornerbacks and the safeties? And does he know who's good and who's bad? And, and, and if the linebackers aren't uh, any good in coverage? I mean, is all of that uh, covered and, uh, and repeated and, uh, and covered again? Yeah. So at the, uh, at the start of every week, uh, and in this case, you know, last week with the bye week, you you have an in-depth scouting report of your opponent, and most most of that work is done. You know, the, the initial work is done by the coaches, providing you know in-depth analysis, statistics. Uh, you know, look, they watch the film that they, they diagram and diagnose the tendencies of each player. You don't really memorize the names, but you for sure memorize the numbers. Because it's important to, to remember, you know, okay, this, you know, this, if this number corners in, he has these tendencies. But if this corner, you know, he has these tendencies, and, and it's the same for every position at linebacker, at safety. And so, you, if you watch enough film, which these guys do, you know, you, you really start to get to know and get familiar with your opponent. And 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 you know, during the uh, the bowl season, it gets it almost gets monotonous because you, you, you've been watching the same team for three weeks and uh, you're almost you're almost tired of watching their film but you know so for the bye week I think USF I'm sure they've watched tons and tons of film on USF and so they've gotten to really know their defensive scheme who their stars are who, who they can exploit where their weak spots are and uh, you know that's that's part of the quarterback's job is to take that on himself to to take to garner all that knowledge and then apply it and then, were, were and then together ever, as an were, offense you were, get really familiar with your game plan and the plays that you're going to be running and so you by that by the time game game time comes you're you're really familiar with what you're going to attack with were you ever surprised uh, by a player's ability that uh, was different than it looked on film Oh yeah, uh, I mean one time. Let's see here. So freshman year, 2015, we played uh, at Michigan and we got beat bad. You know, 31-0 shutout. But Jabril Peppers was uh, was on that team and he was a freshman and, and there was all this this hype about him. And, uh, and but on film, I never I've never thinking that you know it wasn't. He didn't look, I guess, that much different than than other safeties, other defensive players that I played against. But then, you know, come game time, he, you know, he he had a big impact, you know, just on that defense, the way he covered ground, the speed, the way he could come up and fill in the box, but then playing coverage, you know, he just he made it tough, he made it tough on us. And uh, you know, I, I I probably have tons of other stories. Marcus Williams, safety at Utah was you know really really impressive you know just a good good player with amazing speed and so it's, it's no surprise that he's that he's starting for the saints but you know i have to admit one of my probably like the best player i ever played against 
with Landon Collins in high school at the Under Armour All-American game. And then also I, play, I played against him at the, uh, the opening, this event held at Nike's campus in the summer before his senior year. He, I mean, he was you know, going to be a senior in high school, but he looked like he was 20, 23. looked like he was a college uh, senior, like ready, you know, ready to go to the NFL. And he was just, you know, just the speed, the size, the strength. It was, it was, you know, unlike anything I'd ever seen coming from Boise, Idaho. Tanner, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Former Cougar quarterback Tanner Mangum. That'd be frustrating. You you study a team out, and then you go out on the field, and it's different than what you have been told it would be. There would be tough. And some players just, you know, are, are kind of sneaky special like that. Man, Marcus Williams was really good when yeah. he was at Utah. And Jabril Peppers oh, come was, on. He was awesome great. when he was at Michigan. But they, for instance, you probably don't truly appreciate how good they are until you really <laughs> compete against them. What did, what did they tell Zach Wilson before that Toledo game? Where, where was he supposed to exploit that defense? What, what, uh, who in that backfield was he supposed to take care of? <laughs> because it didn't work out so well, did it? Nope. And right. he made, you know, mistakes that... I can't, uh, be- I you can't know. believe that the Toledo secondary was that great. But see, were they that great or did he make a mistake? Yeah. Because we have talked about it at times. Zach Wilson this year did look like he was a young player against Utah. He made some, he made some young player mistakes against Utah. Made some young player mistakes against Washington. Is that why coaches always say you got to execute? I suppose. <laughs> but it's the, we were talking about experience earlier, and you were, asked me a bizarre question about uh, having experience and not being good at something immediately. That's, that's, that wasn't a bizarre question. That's totally true about the quarterback position. I'm sure you got to see some stuff. It's one thing to study, but you got to see some stuff when it actually happens. You mean bizarre? It was bizarre. It was not bizarre. By the way, my favorite uh, execution quote came from John McKay at USC way back in the day when somebody asked him uh, how he felt about his team's execution, and he said, I'm all for it. Hmm. Uh-huh. Pretty clever. Uh-huh. Have you heard that before? That's pretty I have cool. heard that. Yeah, uh, I have I've heard probably that said it, but... I, I think so. For, for a coach. I have worked fun. with you for a long time. <laughs> All right, coming up next. We're, Austin, we're, you ever heard that? We're going to get the highlights from uh, Witt's press conference today up there on the Hill. We'll uh, play you some important cuts. Okay, I, I, I'm going to um, – let's make a little wager here. Witt will use the word control. And I, I, I wasn't there. I haven't heard it. But I, I think he will use the word control. Let me see. I have the descriptions of the the cuts up here. Does Witt use the word control, Austin? I bet he does. I'm sure he does. How do you know that? Uh, he uses it a lot. How do you know that? <laughs> I don't. I'm guessing. want to remind you, don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road, park ride, and save Diamond Airport Parking. More next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. <laughs>
back. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. What's the most impressive bridge you've ever driven over? I know the answer is, I know exactly what you're going to say. This sounds like a story topper is about to happen. The most, well, certainly the most frequent is the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. That is... A good answer. That's a good story. I don't think I can top that. I don't think I can either. They're building uh, two new channel tunnels on that bridge, too. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Everybody is super interested in that, that's for sure. All right. Uh, it's a song. Come on. want to remind you about our friends at Trouble Divi, waters? the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at getdivi.com. Should we talk a little youth football, Gordon? Yeah. So glad we have games to prepare for. Last week felt kind of uh, weird here in the middle of uh, football season, no? Well, this game is kind of weird, too, because when you think of Oregon State Beavers, you don't exactly think that's a team to worry about. But Kyle Whittingham would never look at it that way. And upsets do happen. And uh, I, I would say that's probably true for any Pac-12 team that you got to you got to focus at least 75% to get a victory, right? So Kyle doesn't want his team screwing around at this point. They need to buckle down and focus and and, uh, do everything necessary to uh, reach their goal, which is to win the freaking conference this year. Well, I'm sure he's pointing right at last week that the Beavs beat UCLA. I'm sure he's saying, look, it's a good team you got to prepare for. Good enough to take down the Bruins. Although, are the Bruins really that good? No, but Witt probably leaves that out, I'm guessing. (laughs) Yeah, because UCLA was only considered better because they beat Washington State, and Washington State ended up being a dog team. And so the Utes beat Washington State. But how much does that mean? Huh? Yeah, what? Huh? <laughs> All right, uh, let's start with Coach Witt talking about building uh, a Pac-12 championship type team. Recruiting, that's in a word, recruiting. That's that's the key. I've said that. You guys are sick of me saying that, but I'll keep saying it because it's applicable. But that's that's what it takes is just continually upgrade your roster, get bigger, faster, stronger. And, you know, continuity helps as well. Teams that are changing coaches every two or three or four years, that, that's tough to get some continuity. And so that's a, that's another big part of it is, is continuity in your coaching staff because that right there assists in recruiting as well. As it plays out pretty much every week in the Pac-12, if you're not ready to play, it's so balanced. This team is so balanced. Just because you're picked to win the South doesn't mean it's you and then everybody else it's very competitive league week in and week out and so we just take the same approach every week that we've got to be at our best if we want to win the game because anybody in any given week the old the old cliche that anybody can beat anybody in this league any given week i think that's proven just about every week somebody does that Unless you recruit good enough, a big, a greatest, a great number of great athletes and then then you could dominate the league okay right yeah, because the league's supposedly. not that good this league's not that good, is it? It feels like it's it's a lot more level, maybe, than we had anticipated. There are a lot of teams that are kind of on the same level, and it's not as good in some cases as we would have thought. But even the bad teams are capable of beating you. There are some some teams in the ACC that aren't there aren't sniffing Clemson. <laughs> let me put it that way. Even when Clemson hasn't looked uh, as quite right. As, uh, formidable as one might have expected. But that league is just dreadful at the bottom. Just dreadful. The point is, if you're a coach, what Kyle said there is absolutely true. And how frustrating would it be if, you know, you recruit these guys and Utah's program has upgraded its average athlete. Uh, Man, they are really, really talented in a lot of ways. Great athletes all over the field. And then you go out and stub your toe. 
because someone wasn't paying attention or one phase of the game failed you or something. So in order to avoid that, I hear what he's saying, and he's, he's going to be on this team, I think, driving it hard for the rest of the season. I would guess so. I mean, that's consistency is, is Witt's M.O. I yeah. mean, consistently preparing the same way regardless of the opponent. That's something that he's preached for a long, long time and should serve him well in games like this where Oregon State's offense is good enough that they can do some damage. Their defense, not really. They got that Hodgins uh, receiver. He's really quite good. So, I mean... They've, they've got enough. I mean, like you look at Colorado and you think of them as not a, certainly a powerhouse in the Pac-12, but they've got a senior quarterback and a monster on the outside. I mean, everybody's got somebody. Yeah. Look how well Khalil Tate played over the weekend. Arizona lost to Hawaii somehow I this year. I get that, but see, this this to me, yeah, it, it's lack of focus and it's lack of it's a combination of the things that Kyle was talking about yeah. there. Yeah, you got to focus and you got to have a tremendous number of great athletes, and apparently, no one in the Pac-12 has those two things. Yeah. All right. Uh, up next, here's Coach Witt talking about what uh, areas he's pleased with so far this year. Halftime adjustments have been very good for us so far this year. Credit the coaches, assistant coaches, for doing a, gr- a great job at halftime of making tweaks and changes to, to what, what's going on. And players are physically in good shape. I mean, our strength coach does a great job. I don't know what else to say other than they're, 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 their level of training is, is very high and they don't seem to uh, get tired. Plus, we haven't played a lot of snaps on defense. I know that's a, a big part of a defense that we've played you know, the, the fewest snaps in the Pac-12, and I would imagine you know one of the fewest snaps in the nation. I don't know that for certain, but i got to believe that, that we'd be up there in that category and credit the offense for doing a great job of controlling the football in the second half that's been another big part of it is uh, possessing the football and not turning it over boy he got that right big time he dropped uh, he dropped an interesting stat did he just hit hit on it there that they've uh, the defense has played the fewest snaps in the country he said he he, he wasn't sure but it was had to be right up there somewhere yeah that's I, I thought that that really stood out that's pretty that's pretty amazing I mean, that's yeah. a credit to the offense, as yes. he was talking about there. Mm-hmm. And what, uh, I, how many how many turnovers have the Utes suffered this year? Oh man, we have to look it up, but it's very few. Very Can you few. think of them? Very off, very few off the top of your head. There was there was there a pick or two, but there was a, there, I can't remember very many. So they've been extremely extremely yeah, careful we can't with even the ball. Really remember them? So it's yeah. And that's what Kyle Whittingham wanted. I think Andy Ludwig deserves a lot of credit, don't you? Uh, I do. I think he he's really you know Andy what he's he's good at, and we've known this since uh, because of the last time he was here. He's really good at uh, adapting his philosophy to the players that he that he has. He's not really married to you know the air raid or the option or whatever the case may be. All you guys got to fit into this particular system. No, he's adjusted it. He's really really good at that and I think Tyler Huntley specifically has has really benefited from that that uh, Coach Ludwig's going to run an offense that's really going to highlight what his strengths are. And I, I, I agree with you. We've seen that. Tyler so Huntley, I don't know whether we can get him to say this or not, but I bet he looks around at the the way he's been quote unquote coordinated in the past and thinks at last, yeah. I got myself a guy who can make me a better quarterback. Tyler Huntley has yet to throw an interception. Yeah, this year. And how many fumbles? I mean, I, I know I'm throwing this stuff, but I, they I just had the don't... one against USC at the yeah. end of the half. Yeah, that was, that was costly. That yeah. was extremely costly. Mm-hmm. 
So, but it, I mean, the turnovers have been, it's been very, uh, been very few. The thing about the interceptions with Tyler Huntley is, uh, yeah, has he been perfect? No, but there, I don't get the impression he's just back there hesitating, hesitating, hesitating because he's afraid to turn the ball over. You know what I mean? When Kyle Whittingham stresses that so much, sometimes it can have that effect on a quarterback. But I, I haven't seen him back there hesitating all night long. Have you? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. And I like uh, the the time that he did get all those pressures against USC. I don't think that was because he was holding it too long. I think that's because the the offensive line couldn't handle Struggled certain moves, yeah. and we're we're really struggling. So those two things combined make for a quarterback who's playing well. Certainly, uh, they, and we, you and I both agreed last week that right now he's the Heisman of the state, if that is such a thing. Yeah. The Heisman? Yes, he is. All right. Here's uh, Coach Witt giving a scouting report of the Beavs. Oregon State had a nice win uh, this past weekend. Played Stanford tough in another Pac-12 game earlier in the season. A uh, very balanced team, running the ball for over 200 yards a game and throwing up for uh, another 270 or so. So doing a nice job on offense. Outstanding in the red zone. Over 80% touchdowns in the red zone with their offense. So, so they're doing some really good things offensively. We got a back that's running the ball effectively over seven yards a carry. Big time receiver and the quarterback's playing well. So we'll get our hands full, obviously. Uh, anytime you go on the road in the Pac-12, it's a challenge. Any week's a challenge for that matter, but particularly on the road. And like I said, they're coming off a nice win. And so playing with some confidence right now. And uh, we're going to have to be at our best, no doubt about it. Kyle is talking like that. Oh, it's so tough out there and all that stuff. But I think deep down he knows, man, if my team puts it into gear here, I got this. Don't you? I do think that. But Oregon State is good is good enough that if if they don't bring it, they could lose. Yeah. What if I'm a coach and I know I have a certain caliber of player, both on offense and defense, I am doing everything I can to get them to focus in on what their capabilities are to absolutely maximize them, you know, because otherwise it's a waste. And this is a year I know SC beat them and uh, SC needs to lose again for the Utes to uh, Arizona is at the top of the South right now. But come on, the Utes are better than these teams, aren't they? Uh, I think so. And that's why we uh, we both picked the Utes to, to win the South this year. And I think that that goal is is absolutely realistic still. I, I consider what happened against uh, the Trojans a stubbing of the toe. I mean, I still think the Utes are better than the Trojans, and uh, they on that night obviously not. But uh, so it, they, they can't afford any more slips. Right. I, I think the Utes uh, suffer. I mean, you you heard Coach Witt credit his coaching staff for adjustments. I think Utah struggled against USC because they didn't make adjust adjustments drastically or quickly enough, and I don't think the game plan was terrific going in defensively. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And they they struggled uh, as a result. I I certainly don't expect that to happen often during this season. I mean, history would tell you. Utah's one of the best coaching staffs in the league. History would tell you that more often than not, not, Utah's coming in with a pretty good game plan. So, Mm -hmm. especially defensively. But what was so weird about that, Jake, is you were the one that was talking in the run up to that game about those great wide receivers that the Trojans had. You know? And they were awesome. So is that hubris on the part of the Utes going, okay, we'll, we'll just man up back there and uh, do what we always do against anybody? Uh, maybe, but— it, that didn't work out uh, so well. No, but they also have what they think is a first-round pick at corner. 
and they they thought that uh, their guys could match up against them, and it didn't turn out to be true, specifically in the first half. And, so, and that, on the very first drive, they were picking on him. Right. I mean, it was it was astounding. From I was really surprised at that. But uh, anyway, you can't just keep looking back. But I think the usefulness in looking back at that USC game is to remind the players, do not, and the coaches, do not allow that to happen right. again. You're better than that. And you, maybe they read some of their own press and needed to be humbled a little bit. And they certainly looked focused against Washington State. Yeah. And I have no reason to believe that that won't uh, certainly continue against Oregon State. And, uh, you know, the the game that looked really, really difficult up in Washington probably still will be, but might not be as difficult as once thought. Going up there is, is pretty hard. And it, That's of a course. Tough place to win. There's no doubt. But Stanford, who I think is not terrific, just beat Washington. So. Yeah, that's true. That game, that, where, was that, where was that game? I uh, believe. Give me two seconds. I can tell you for sure, but I believe okay. it was. Uh, I believe it was Stanford. Uh, that's one thing Kyle was talking about there. That on the road is is really particularly difficult when no team or very few teams stand ahead above the rest. Uh, obviously, going out there and all the. Uh, you'd have to talk to Doctor Freud about why it's that way. It was at Stanford, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I think twenty three to thirty. It's a different matter going to Seattle. All right, we'll have more big show for you coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned, ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. David Locke, voice of the Utah Jazz. What is the biggest thing that you could take away from such a game that was Saturday? Biggest takeaway was that for fans, what they got to see was training camp. What I saw out on the court wasn't actually that different than what I've been seeing all week. It was just an opportunity for everybody else to see it, which is great. And so my biggest takeaway is one of the questions about Boyan Bogdanovich is, does he involve his teammates? Well, we saw him in the game on Saturday really passing. I think he had four assists, but also just working the basketball around. So those little things of watching the new players adapt, just thought it was a confirmation of everything I've seen so far in camp. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God bless you, please. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. want to remind you to listen this Wednesday on a Win Ticket Wednesday for your chance to win tickets uh, to Live and Bush. Live and Bush are hitting the road together uh, this fall for the Ultimate Tour. Your chance to see them live with special guest Our Lady Peace is October 12th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. All right, Jake, I want to get your impressions from the Jazz game over the weekend because obviously that's the first time we've seen some of those players in a Jazz uniform, even though starters didn't really go. But uh, before I get to that, I want to ask, you are famous for your would-you-rathers. I do. I'm going to ask Austin, uh, would you rather? I'm going to say, Austin, would you rather carve a pumpkin for your beautiful little girl or eat three bags, full-size bags of candy corn? Oh, the candy corn. We found out during Not the break. Not even a hesitation. How passionate Austin is uh, against carving pumpkins. <laughs> He's not a fan. And I got to admit, I'm not either, you although I don't think it, I, I've taken it to the level that Austin is. You're going to have to do it, Austin. It's part, of the, who? it's part of the contract. I never signed any contract. 
<laughs> I swore my life, my love, and my dedication, every energy and effort I have to my wife and my daughter. That's not enough? I have to carve a pumpkin? She's going to look at you with those big, beautiful eyes and say, Daddy, I want a pumpkin. And I'm going to say, Uncle Gordon has you a lot of his not. house. You're going to say, let's go get one. Nope. That's what you issue. What do you think, Jake? I don't know. You also told me I'd have to get a Christmas tree last year, and I didn't. So maybe I believe Austin on this one. You guys. And what's more weird? You guys are being anti-Christmas tree or anti-pumpkin, really? <laughs> One makes no mess. Well, One makes every mess you can dream of. Don't they of. say that the kid's favorite holiday is Christmas and their second favorite holiday is Halloween? Maybe for those children who haven't been raised right to know that <laughs> Halloween's of the devil. <laughs> hmm? Read the Bible. I don't no, know if it's in there. I don't, I don't think it's in there I don't at think all. Halloween is mentioned. <laughs> no. Yeah. Probably not. Eh, don't look it up. Kids love that stuff, man. They love dressing up. They love the whole costume thing, and they love the candy thing. And they, love, well, they want a jack-o'-lantern, man. My my uh, my uh, granddaughter, who's four, loves uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and yeah. I would think that would be too scary for her. It was for me. It's not for her. She yeah. loves it. My she, wife. She loves knows it, every yeah. word. She sings and dances the whole thing. Is that? And I have a I have a question. Do you think it's because? She's so innocent and uh, and you know not deterred by creepy and spooky. Like she doesn't even know yet. It's just fun and happy to her. She doesn't understand that it's actually kind of creepy. Uh, I don't. I don't know. She's she's Jack Skellington. That's what she's going to be for That'll Halloween. That'll be cute. That'll be real cute. So uh, I'm glad it's know. not my kid. They have well, to take out in the well, cold. You, but you but you will have to nope. sacrifice in these regards. One right. one bridge I'm being forced to cross this uh, this Halloween as we're doing the family dress up thing. Are you really? Yeah. What are you? I'm not. Be? I'm not wild about it. What are you to be honest? Be? Uh, she's a she's a big fan. My daughter is is a big mini fan, so she's going to be mini. And uh, I uh, I think uh, my wife ordered some goofy costume for me. Goofy. And then she's going to be. Dating. You're going to be goofy. Uh huh. <laughs> With the big floppy ears yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we better get that uh, picture of that. Nope. Uh-huh. Not uh, not a hey, chance. I got a, I got a I, this is, I'm doing this against my better judgment. Uh, how come Goofy can talk, but Pluto can't? I don't know. I've thought about that before. Yeah. All right. Your impressions of the jazz. Okay, here's one. I give a little uh, advice to our, our listeners out there when watching the jazz this year, based on what we saw on Saturday, but also a lot of the chatter that I've mm-hmm. been hearing at practice and throughout camp. Yeah. Get rid of your notions of positions <laughs> altogether, except for Rudy. He will be the traditional five. But outside of that, we're going to see lots of people handling the ball. We're going to see lots of people initiating the offense. They have more playmaking to go along with their shooting, and we're going to see it much more fluid. So so forget point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. How's Just Mike forget Conley going to handle four. that? Because he has had the ball in his hands for his whole career. He's he's saying the right things. And given Mike Conley's reputation, I would guess that he'll adapt just fine. But he has acknowledged it is different. It is different than what okay. he's traditionally done. Okay, so that'll be that'll be some something to look forward to. How how about this ball movement of which we speak? We hear so much about unselfish basketball and all that and Quinn likes that and favors it. But will we see fewer possessions of like six plus passes? 
Uh, I Will don't there think, be one no. or two passes and then some playmaker ends up with the ball with an advantage and boom, he takes it to the basket? Um, or shoots it? I would say no. I don't expect that to be different. However, um, uh, George Niang said something interesting today at practice. He talked about how Quinn Snyder's offense and uh, the the analogy that I thought of or the comparison I thought of uh, when when he was talking about this was Mike Leach's offense in college football, where a uh, you know a affects B, which affects C. So if if A happens, you have different reads. If B happens, you have different. Like he he was talking about how with more floor spacing, that actually creates different reads than they've had in the past. So it's almost like this. It kind of depends on what the defense does and what they give you. You have to make this read and that read. But but the 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 whole read concept sound to me like that ball is still going to move a terrific amount, especially depending on what the what the defense does. A couple of red flags with that. Uh, the first one is this. If the Jazz are going to go up against a tough defense like the Clippers, uh, will that rupture this? Because the Utes, when they played Mike Leach and the Washington State Cougars, their stout defense disrupted that passing attack and uh, messed it over. Yeah, I, I think you'll see some games where they'll turn the ball over quite a bit because they're going to pass the ball a lot. What happens, though, if uh, Boyan Bogdanovich gets an open look after two passes? Is it okay for him to go ahead and fire away? Sure. What if Mike Conley... We saw that last year. Yeah, what if Mike Conley gets the ball after, after a pass or two, and he's got an open, uh, you know, uh, opening to the, to the basket? He's going to take off and do it, right? And the Jazz are more capable of these things than they were last year because they had fewer playmakers and they had fewer shooters. Well, it's not Hickory High, Gordon. I don't think I don't think that Quinn's going to pull. It. That was not five passes. Hit the pine. No, I don't think. Yes, if he's open, he's going to take the shot. What are you saying? Hickory High. Oh man, that was a fictional name anyway. It wasn't the real name. You don't say. Uh, I I don't know. I. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, I, I just think they have so many more weapons this time around. Guys like Jeff Green, who will be able to get an advantage and take advantage of that advantage. And so why why put the thought in his mind otherwise, other than to go ahead and be aggressive? All right, coming up next uh, on the AM side of things, we've got Monday Night Football for you. Coming up on next on the FM on 97.5, the big show rolls on. Any quick predictions? Do the Niners stay undefeated tonight, Gordo? Yes. I think they beat the Browns as well. Yep. All right, stay tuned for that. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's a football <laughs> Friday. Ron McBride and Alema Harrington. So we're playing Cal Berkeley. I mean, we're just kicking their, their butt. Right there you now. go. Good. Good. <laughs> good. good check swing. That was well, good. Well, yeah, I cleaned up my language. <laughs> yeah, nobody believes that, Coach, but good job. <laughs> so then they said, okay, Ronnie Veal, you're up. Okay. Yeah. Goes in, throws a pick, right? Oh, Lloyd, you got to dump that. I'd rather rather you say the first word than that one. You just made this declaration to to the radio world. You sound like Scotty describing what's on our table. (laughs) Oh, shoot. There you go. Threw a pick. Yeah, very much better. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
Rabbitum Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks to everybody out there for uh, listening on a Monday. Gordon, it's been a good day. It's been a good day, and, uh, you know, it's this will be a good week. you got the Jazz playing preseason games against uh, probably <laughs> considerably more legitimate competition. It'll be interesting to see if the starters go uh, this week on Wednesday and Friday on the road. And uh, and you also got both uh, Utah and BYU going so uh, in football. So that's, that's, it's, it's a good week. This is a good week. We didn't talk about this at all today, but are, are you paying attention at all to the Major League Baseball playoffs? A little bit. Not. I haven't been on it uh, like I thought I would be, but I will as, as they move through. I have not lost interest in baseball over the years, but it, it's fallen off my radar a little bit more. You know, here without a major league team, you know, we focus on on specific sports, and that takes up a, a lot of my bandwidth. But I've got to admit, I, I do like playoff baseball. Yeah, there is a certain vibe. Well, to, there's to more playoff. meaning to it. Yeah, you know, everything everything counts. Every at bat counts. And that's well, I tell you, when I was in Los Angeles, I was all over baseball, all over it. But here, yeah, it is a little harder here because uh, there's there's no major league team here. In I I wish we had. It'd be really fun to have oh, a major believe, league baseball yeah, team that, here. And and probably over the next fifty years there will be one. I hope so. Uh, I do. Of course, I, fifty years is a long time. Austin will still be alive. But you and I both in fifty long years. Gone? I'm not going to be alive in fifty years. You are no. Fifteen is a question mark right now. So. <laughs> I do I do believe it's in this community's future, but it might be a ways off. I do like having a dog in the hunt with my expos. <laughs> and I like it that they're doing it without but Bryce they're not, Harper. But they're not the expos. They're always they, they will have, always be the expos they, well, to me, not. My expos. No, they're the nationals. Back in the playoffs even without Bryce Harper. And where are your Phillies? You Canadian communist. Well they uh they they, they, they just struggling still a little bit. Good investment. <laughs> You're just jealous. And where did that Trout guy get your angels this year, huh, Austin? He's going to win just, the MVP. You're just jealous. At least my guys can win trophies. Your guys can't even win a city over. Are they in the playoffs? I sure, think but so. does anyone there care? In uh, Montreal or in D.C.? You choose. <laughs> well, you guys might not know this, but there's been one constant in all of American history. Baseball. Well, that's not true. Pretty sure this country existed before baseball did. No, oh, that was from Field of Dreams. Come on. It's uh, Mark the Times. Isn't that somewhere in there? Probably. Wiped away again, and there's been one constant <laughs> that is baseball. But yeah, I think this baseball. country. Baseball. How does, how does he say that? Baseball. Baseball. That's not how James Earl Jones says it. Well, how's oh, he I, say thought, it? I thought you meant the guy on MLB Network. No, I was talking about James Earl Jones. Baseball. I can't do a James Earl Jones. How, how low can you go? What is this, the limbo? <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Okay, please. NFL next. NFL coming up next, Monday Night Football. Niners football. and the Browns. We'll pick it up in progress. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, is he just a bag of hot air or is he a player? A little bit. little bag of hot air. A little hot air in there. All right, more next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.